you have Mark chapter 15, 15 verse 21. Say amen when you have it. And keep your Bibles handy. Amen. It says, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country. And they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. I want everybody just to turn to the TVs. We have a quick clip. At this time, I just wanted to put a face to the person that I'm going to be talking about today. At this time in my, my, my life, I'm doing a, like a study, a personal study of the people that were the last ones to meet Jesus before he passed away uh, and went to the cross. And one of the people that was, was very impacting to my life was Simon. Uh, not a really well-talked-about person. And the more I got into it, um, man, it's such an impacting... You'll see why that Christ really spent... It was an intentional meeting. You know, throughout the day, most of us, you know, I know even with myself, <clears throat> that, you know, I spend my day communicating. Um, at work and then, you know, even at home, you know, I'm spending my day, you know, either talking to people in person, talking to people on the phone... Um, and I'm, I'm constantly trying to communicate things that are important to me or things that are on my mind or even things that need to be done. And what I found is that for the most part, the things that are the most important to me, I usually wait or say or do them right before I leave or right before I'm not going to be with somebody. And as I'm walking out the door, I'm usually saying the things I'm conveying what's most important to me. Uh, you know, either don't forget to do this or whatever it is. You know, whatever's you know, on my mind the most is what comes out right before I leave. You know, and I believe Jesus was no different. You know, as, as he was on his way out of this earth, you know, he had a lot of things on his mind. And, and right at the very end of his, of his human life, you know, he was there on his way out. And he had some very intentional things that he had to do before he left. And he had some very important matters to take care of. And one of the important matters was having a face-to-face -face encounter with this man by the name of Simon. And Simon, you know, we'll see, a, we'll see a little bit about him. The Bible describes him and talks about him in all four Gospels. And these, you know, for you to be mentioned once in the Bible in anywhere was an important thing. But to be mentioned in every Gospel by every writer, it has some significance. And it not only did it have some significance, as you look into his life, you'll see why it was so intentional. And so important that Jesus, on his way out, had an encounter with this man named Simon. You ever wonder why God saved you when he did? You ever wonder why he did it, how he did it, how he saved you? Or for some of us, where he saved us? See, during the time of Jesus, there was a lot of times, and there was a lot of great times, really, that this man Simon could have met Jesus, right? He could have met Jesus, you know, maybe at the wedding, right, when he turned water into wine. I mean, he could have met Jesus. He could have been in the audience when, uh, they, you know, Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, right? There was a lot of other times. I mean, he could have been, he could have performed any miracle. He could have preached to him any, any time and, and shared with them any uh, life-changing words. But really, what we see here is that Jesus waits to the very last moment to encounter Simon. And he waits for an, for an encounter where there's struggle, where there was pain, and where there was a walk where not one recorded word was ever mentioned. Not one recorded word was ever mentioned. 
And as you look at it, you know, and as, as I began to look at it, I was wondering what was so profound about this moment where this man named Simon was mentioned and, and noted in the Gospels. What was so profound and why was this man included in such a moment where Jesus really was taking the sins of the world to the cross? And see, in order to understand what was so important about this man Simon and what was so important about this moment, you have to understand a few things. You know, there's two things that I believe that you have to understand. And the first thing is you have to understand what I guess you could say is the nature of Simon himself. And the second thing would be the nature of God that you have to understand. In order to understand the moment, you have to understand these two things, which is Simon's nature and God's nature. See, here's what we know about Simon and what we've, we see here in the scriptures. And uh, in the book of Mark, it tells a little bit more about him. But really, if you study more about Simon and you read commentaries, this is where a lot of this information comes about. But here's what we know about Simon, the man who helped carry Jesus' cross. He was from a place called Serene. And this is a place that was located in North Africa, which right now is like modern-day Libya. And this place, it was like a colony. There was a colony there of about 100,000 uh, Jews that had settled there after the Jews revolted or turned against the Romans that had taken over Jerusalem. So we know that Simon was from that area. We also know that Simon, as he's mentioned here in Mark, he was the father of two early church leaders who became well known uh, in the book of, you know, in the book of Acts and other, other books as well. Uh, both of his sons in, in the book of Acts 19.33, and I'm not going to really read it, but it talks about his son Alexander. And Alexander, uh, you know, during the time in Ephesus, there was a riot going on. And the Bible says that the Jewish people pushed Alexander to the front, which means that he was a spokesperson. He was a leader at the time. And they were looking to him to kind of get in the forefront. So we know that Simon was, you know, it was his father. And we also see in that in Romans 16, 13, that Paul mentions his other son, uh, who is named Rufus. And he, he describes his son as chosen in the Lord. And he actually gets a greeting from Paul in the book of Romans. So we know that Simon was the father of these two. We see that he's mentioned in, uh, in the book of Mark. We also know that Simon was married to a woman whose name is never mentioned, but who Paul uh, refers to her as, as a mother even to him. You know, it's an endearing. If you look there in the book of Romans at the end, Paul is greeting people. And he calls out the mother of these two children, but it's really Simon's wife. And Simon, we also know, and we read here that Simon was coming into Jerusalem. Stay with me now. Coming into Jerusalem from the countryside, which means that he wasn't on any main road and that he wasn't on any main pass coming into town. And he was probably in town like everybody else for the Passover. Now, what does all this mean, right? Well, I'm just giving you a history here of the man Simon. But what if, what is, why does this, any of this matters? Well, you're going to trip out like I tripped out right now as to why his history matters. See, Cyrene was not just any Jewish colony. It wasn't just any place where Jews had scattered to. Cyrene in North Africa was the home of a group by the name of the Sakari. If, you know, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is good right here. It was the home of a group called Sakari which in turn it translated into English called dagger men. Now these men right here were assassins. These men 
were people who had killed, they would, they would come into Jerusalem and they would kill sympathizers with Romans, specifically priests or other high officials. So most of these guys, they belong to this group called the Sicarii. They were wanted, they were on the run, and they were stone cold killers. See, they kept small daggers with them and that's what they used to kill. So these Sicarii, they had fled to a stronghold, the city of Cyrene. And where there, were, where there were others in their same condition. So really, in all reality, this area was an area for people that were on the run. See, Jerusalem belonged to the Jews, but Cyrene belonged to the Sicarii. So Simon was from there. So it's pretty, it's, 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 which explains why he was coming into town through the back roads. Hear me now. Some of us in tonight know what it is to come in through a city through the back roads, right? Anybody do that, right? Trying to stay out of the main streets, right? Somebody knows what I'm talking about here, right? You're coming into the city, you're up to no good, right? Avoiding the law on a mission, right? Little did he know that Simon was gonna have a face-to-face -face encounter and be spotted by God himself. See, up until now, Simon had associated himself with a cause that was self-serving and that was biased, right? And somewhere, though, in his heart, God had saw something different. I believe when God looked at this man, right, from this, from this town and from this area, he saw a man who wanted to serve his people, but he was doing it his way. He wanted to help his people, but all he knew was his own nature and how his way was to kill. His way was to associate himself with this group and to do it his way, but... God had different plans, amen? God had different plans. Now, what do we know about God in Simon's case? Well, the first thing we know about God in Simon's case is that God arranged the time for them to meet. See, there's a danger for any of us to think that we had anything to do with our meeting Jesus. There's a danger there. See, it is God that knows when we're ready. Some of you thought you were coming to church by your own will tonight. But God decided already that you were going to come whether you wanted to or not. See, God is calling us constantly. But we listen when we're really tired of listening to ourselves. That's when we listen to God. See, God's nature, trip off this, God's nature in Simon's case, in our case, his nature is to involve us in his plan. His nature is to give us a purpose in his plan and even to get us to feel what he feels so that we'll understand his plan. I'll say that again. God's nature is to involve us in his plan. His nature is to give us a purpose in that plan. And not only that, he'll even get us to feel what he feels to be able to help us understand his plan. See, Simon, he was walking straight into a setup. He was walking straight into a Holy Ghost setup. And what happened is God, you know, he never waits until we're ready. Right? He never waits until we think we're qualified. He never waits until we think we're strong enough. Right? God already has his plan. And the truth is, God needed Simon more, sooner than he thought. God needed Simon right then and there. See, many of us are in church. Many of us come throughout Christianity for years similar to Simon, where we're just trying to kind of sneak past the Savior. 
right? We like him taking care of the bad stuff, but the truth is a lot of us come in and out trying to come in the back roads and out the back roads, right? It's kind of staying away from the commitment, staying away from things, because we know that Jesus is there looking for commitment. He's, look, he's there looking for people to commit. See, the second thing we know about God in the case of Simon is that God shared his struggle with Simon. See, at this point, when Simon met Jesus, Simon, you got to understand, he didn't know what was going on. He just had, you know, he had just walked in from the countryside. But up until this point, these are some of the things that had already happened to Jesus. And we've seen it right there on the screens. But at this point, Jesus had already been up all day and all night, right? He had already spent hours being falsely accused. He had, people, he had already had people spit on him, punch him. He had already been beat. He had already been flogged up to 40 times. He had already been forced, a uh, crown of thorns had already been forced on his head, right? He had already walked almost 650 yards, right? He had his beard pulled out. We see in Isaiah 56, we see that he was even to the point where the Bible says in Isaiah 52, 13, that he was disfigured beyond recognition. In other words, at that point, when he met Simon, he did not look like a savior. He had not looked, but up until that point, when Jesus seen him, he was disfigured, he, wasn't, he was unrecognizable, right? That's what he had been through. That's what he had gone through up until that point to where he met Simon. And after all of that, Simon and Jesus met face to face. And Simon is forced to walk next to a dying and disfigured man. Can you imagine what Simon felt at that moment? Not just carrying the cross, but seeing him, seeing his condition. Can you imagine what he felt like? I want you to put yourself in Simon's place. I mean, the, the movie does, I don't believe the movie even really touches it. Can you imagine walking next to it? See, it is said that the struggle reveals who we really are. Any struggle reveals who we really are. So in reality, hear me now, in reality, Simon walking next to this man realized, I believe, two things. I believe that this moment that he realized just how perfect and loving Jesus was. Because the Bible says that he willingly offered himself without a word. And he was willing to give himself up, right? Willingly walking to the cross. And I believe also walking next to him, I believe Jesus, excuse me, I believe Simon realized at this moment as he was helping Jesus carry his cross, just how selfish and wrong his life had been up until that point. See, I wonder how many times that God exposes us face to face with the struggle. And all we do is feel sympathy. All we do is feel bad. At that moment, when, when the world was crashing in on Jesus, when the world was, was falling apart on Jesus, he let Simon have just a little taste of that. Right? Why? Why would Jesus do that? Jesus didn't need men who were sympathetic. He needed men who would be moved to action. I'll say it again. He didn't need men at that moment who were moved to, for sympathy and feeling bad, right? He already had people on the sidelines. The Bible says that were wailing and crying. What he needed was a man that would be moved to action. So Jesus spoke to Simon in a way that he would understand. He spoke to this man who had grew up around struggle who had grew up around, around not fitting in, who had grew up already, right, being an outcast. He had to speak to Simon in a way that he would understand. And why, you know, why are we so quick to run from a difficult situation? 
Has it ever occurred to us that at this moment that God is allowing us to get a taste of something so that we can do something about it? Right? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I'm the first to not want to be in a bad situation. I'm the first when a, when a problem or a trial comes to want to be out of that situation. But has it ever occurred like Simon at that moment that really in all reality, God is letting us get a taste of something so that we can actually do something about it? The third thing that we see about, about God in Simon's case is that God got Simon involved in the struggle. He exposed him to it, but then he gets him involved in his struggle. We see that Simon, the Bible says, is compelled to carry Jesus' cross. Or in some versions, the Bible says he was even forced to carry the cross. It was important to Jesus. Hear me now. It was important to Jesus then as it is now for the men understand the weight of that cross. I'll say that again. It was important to Jesus then as it is now that men understand the weight of that cross. The Bible says that he who's forgiven much loveth much. And we know, personally, we know in our lives just how bad our sin was. We know how hopeless and how, uh, 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 how you know, God removed our situation, brought us out of the hopelessness, right? And then we meet a perfect and a, a savior who's willing to take it all, right? See, same, Simon was a man who was probably at, at this point of his life, right? Drowning in his sin as well. He sees an innocent person taking his place, in all reality, taking his place on that cross. Simon ends up side by side with Jesus, carrying that heavy cross. Now, they, they estimate that the cross at that time weighed anywhere between 80 and 110 pounds, right? But I believe that it weighed a little bit more than that. And I don't mean as far as pounds. Because the weight of that cross had to do with not just his sin, but our sins as well. Every step that they took, I believe Simon was feeling the hurt and the pain and the weight of a death sentence. See, God still today involves us in this walk, right? We're surrounded by family. We're surrounded by coworkers. We're surrounded by friends every day who are on that death walk. Hear me now. I wonder how many people that we know, that we personally know, went to hell this year. How many people? See, God's nature in Simon's case and in our case is this. He wants co-laborers. He's a co-laborer. He's looking for help. His nature is that of a co-laborer. He wants help. And that is what appealed, I believe, to Simon. Is that his life could actually mean more than it had ever had up until that point. That if this man Jesus can give his life, then so can he. You hear what I'm saying tonight? Amen. See, after that walk with Jesus, we don't know if Simon stayed. We don't know if he watched the rest of the crucifixion. But what we do know, what we do know is that Simon's life was changed forever. We know that it, after that experience, something happened in his life. See, when was the last time, my question tonight, is, is has an experience with God changed your life? Was it when you got saved? Was that the last time? Was that the last time God changed something in your life? See, the areas, you know, I believe, you know, there's a lot of areas that require constant change in all of our lives, right? But there's a few areas that I want to cover tonight really quickly 
that I believe that a constant God experience needs to happen. Not only a constant God experience, but a change of course, right? Remember, Simon up until this point had a God experience. Up until this point, he didn't know God. Then he has a God experience, and then his course changes. And in our lives, after salvation, there has to be the same process where there has to be another God experience and another change of course. Ask yourself, when has that happened in your life last? When has that happened? When is the last time you made an altar call and you had a God experience and you walked out of here and changed your course? See, there's areas in our lives and there's three areas that I'm going to bring out that I believe require a constant change. I believe God requires a change in our involvement, a change in our support, and a change in our witness. See, the involvement, God always calls for a change in position. God always calls for a change in position when it comes to our involvement. See, most people are involved where they identify and where they feel comfortable. Simon identified, hear me now, Simon identified with the rebels. He identified with this group of people that were outcasts. And he felt comfortable in the country, in the back roads, out of the way. Jesus, however, right, wants us by his side. And sometimes Jesus goes places where we can't identify, hear me now, and where we don't feel comfortable. And see, it's God's choice of the path. Our job is to align ourselves with God wherever that may be. Wherever that is and wherever the path it is, our job is just to align ourselves next to him wherever that path is. Some people do the same things year after year and they're still expecting different results. God will call you when it comes to involvement. God will call you to change your position from time to time. This year, he may want you at every event. Hear me now. And then next year, he may want you at just a few. A little bit more involvement, a little less involvement over here. God will change your position. See, here are some of the end of the year questions I want you to ask yourself. You don't have to answer them, but just answer them right to yourself, right? Here are some of the end of the year questions I want you to ask yourself regarding your level of involvement my level involvement. Number one, ask yourself, did I do anything for God this year that I didn't do last year? Did I do anything for God this year that I didn't do last year? The second thing, another uh, question regarding involvement is who in this church can count on me? Who in this church can count on me? Another question is how many times this year did I say no? Did I not answer my phone? Or did I make an excuse? Ooh, I asked myself this one last night about 20 times. <laughs> That's a good one. I got to read that again. <laughs> how many times did I say no this year? Did I not answer my phone? Or did I make an excuse? Another question. Did I discover any strengths or any weaknesses this year from trying something new. I can say this year I found out more weaknesses than I did strengths in my own life. But it comes from trying something new, changing your involvement. See, an encounter will change your involvement. An encounter will change your involvement. Today, maybe it's your time to have an encounter at this altar, especially if you're at the same level of involvement that you were last year 
or frustrated. If you're frustrated, it might be God's time to have an encounter to change your course. See, the second thing, I believe that God wants us to have an experience and a change of course constantly is the area of support. Our level of support is based on our encounters with Jesus. I'll say that again. Our level, how deep we are when it comes to support, is based on our encounters with Jesus. See, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Guys with me tonight? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. When you have it, say amen. Chapter 9, verse 10. I was contemplating whether or not to bring this out because this in itself is, is pretty deep, but I just want to I I give this to you because it has to do with what we're talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. On how many occasions? On how many occasions? All, or some versions say every occasion. And through, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As you look into this scripture right here, we see that God has levels. He lays out levels for us when it comes to levels of support. He talks about, and I'm going to give you these things real quick if you want to write them down. He gives us four levels of support. He talks about the seed. He talks about the bread. He talks about the store. And he talks about the harvest. He talks about the seed, bread, store, and harvest. And it says, as we see here, it says that he gives seed to the sower. And the seed, when it comes to support, has to do with taking care of a need. It has to do with taking care of a need. When it comes to your level of support, all of us start taking care of the needs of the house of God. In the bread, it has to do with taking care of the wants. As you move on and you deepen your commitment to support, it has to do with no longer just take caring, taking care of the needs, it has to take care of the wants of the church. Because I mean, no, we, have, we want to do things as a church, right? We want to do tailgate services, we want to do, we want banners, we want better sound systems. As you increase your support, you move on to the level of the bread where it has to do with the wants. And third, he talks about the store. And the store takes care of the investments, God's investments. See, when you step up your level of support, this has to do with having enough to take care of others, to invest in others, to invest in other projects to deal with people. And lastly, it talks about the harvest. And this has to, has to do with taking care of the return. See, some people have graduated and, and gone into the level of giving where they're actually dealing now with the return, what God has blessed them back with. Last night we talked about it in, in our life group where, you know, how when you give to God, he gives back, right? And at that point, you're no longer just giving what you have. You're, you're giving out of what God has blessed you with. And see, the level of harvest has to do with you're actually managing God's money now. You're actually at the point of giving, of support, where you're dealing with God's return in your life, right? Some of you are blessed beyond measure, right? How many are blessed? I know I'm blessed, and as you give and give and give, your level of support deepens. And trip off this, according to 2 Corinthians 9-11, it is God's desire. Tell the person next to you, God's. It is God's desire that we operate at the level of richness. Listen to that. It's God's desire that we operate at the level of richness. 
in every way in order to make us a general, generous people. Riches does not mean that you have thousands of dollars in your pocket. It may mean that, but what it means is that what you have is blessed by God. I'll say that again. What you have is blessed by God. See, he wants us to operate in that. Now, trip about this. Remember, Simon, up until now, God had just right at this moment interrupted his selfish and self-serving life to call him to service. In Acts 11, and I got to show you this. Turn with me to Acts 11. A lot of, lot of scripture today. Acts 11, chapter, excuse me, Acts 11, verse 19. Acts 11, verse 19. Got it? It says, now those that had been scattered by persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, say some of them with me. However, men from Cyprus and where? Men from where? From Cyrene went to Antioch and began preaching to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. See, it is believed, a lot, a lot of commentaries and a lot of people believe that at this time, this is the second time we see Simon. We, they believe that he was part of this revival in the, in the city of Antioch. He was already moving from a self, selfish person to being part of something that was now being self-serving, that was serving other people. He goes into a city, you know, and they start preaching in Antioch. They start breaking barriers, right, between races, and they start preaching to Gentiles, and we see a revival. And this was a place in this city, this was a church that Paul used as a home base. This was a base church, and this was the place where they first called believers Christians. Now look at, we, we see the life of Simon. Remember, he was part of something that was self-serving. And the next time we see people from his area, now these are the same men, right? Remember, this was a colony of people. They were self-serving. Now these men are the ones that raised their hand and said, I'll go. They went into the places and started breaking revival loose. See, we see that a call to increase our support, it continually grows. Even after we see this, <clears throat> excuse me, after we see this, we see not just Simon getting involved, but we see his children getting involved. We see his wife, they become supporters of Paul in the early church. See the power of support. Let God change your course. We see in Mark, it says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. When it comes to support, whatever you do, it will be given unto you. See, Simon changed his course. He increased his level of support. And as he increased his level of support, not only was he blessed, not only was the city of Antioch blessed, but we also see his children were blessed. His wife got involved in the ministry. Everything began to change course. See, the last thing, it has to do with witness. Our level of influence is unique. It requires a constant leading by God and an adapting in our approach and a growing maturity with Christ. See, trip off this. We are a witness to Christ and his changing love, right? Aren't we a witness of that? And it's a danger to get far from that, to get far from our roots that we can no longer talk to somebody that was just like us. See, there's a danger in that. You know, we're all in the process of changing. We're all in the process of moving away from what we were. But listen, if we can get so far 
We're, we're the witness. We have to be able to relate with people. That's why God saved us. See, God called you as you were because he wants to use what you've been through in order to reach more people just like you. He wants to use it. You know, the other day, maybe about a, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, uh, you know, a friend of mine brought over a gentleman that, that was going through some things. And, you know, and, and he warned, I don't want to say warned me, but he gave me a heads up before this gentleman came over to my house. And, uh, you know, he said, look, this guy is going through a lot of stuff. And he said, and, you know, maybe you, maybe you can talk to him. And I said, yeah, bring him over. And he says, I just want to let you know, you know, that, that you know, he's real paranoid. And, you know, he's, he's hearing voices. And I said, okay, all right. And so they came over. And, you know, just we began talking and fellowshipping. And the more this guy talked, it, it, it was like I was, I mean, it was almost like replaying my life. Because I'm listening to him talk and, and I could hear, you know, all the, 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 the years that the enemy had destroyed this man's mind and the things that he was tripping off of. And, and the Lord began to deal with me because I remember those things. I remember going through a lot of the head trips that this man was talking about. I remember coming to the Lord and, and your mind, my mind wasn't right still. My mind was still tripped out, you know, from years of using drugs and other stuff, you know. And, and the Lord began to deal with me at that moment and show me that this is why he saved me. And as we began to talk and talk and talk, you know, I'm going to share with them, you know, I know exactly what you're going through. And this, this, you know, and be able to share with them, this is why you feel this way. And this is why this is going on in your head. And, and as we talked, you know, I could see that the Lord began to break him. And the Lord began to just show him that he had hope, that he had an opportunity to really come out of what he was going through. And ever since then, he's been two times already to the Bible study. Come on, give the Lord hand for that. You know, listen, as your encounters increase, so it is your change. And as you change, the more people you can impact. Coming to Christ, there was things that I needed to overcome, like many of us needed to overcome, right? I mean, coming to Christ, I needed to overcome small things. I just needed to stop cussing, right? Come on, somebody. I just needed to stop smoking. I needed to stop doing little stuff. And as I got those little victories, then I, I began to notice that God began to bring people in my life that were in, in that exact predicament. And I was able to help them. And I was, the more victory I got, the more people began to show up in my life that I was able to help. And right now in your life, if you stay at the same areas, God is going to bring you the same people. And God he wants to challenge you when it comes to your witness to increase, to deepen your level, to, go, to continue to, you know, to, to get victory in your life so that you can actually make an impact. See, Simon first reached Simon. Then he reached his family. Then he reached his kids. And then he reached Antioch. And the people he reached at Antioch eventually reached Rome. See, many fear change when it comes to witness, right? They're okay with passing out a flyer. They're okay maybe holding a sign in a march. But don't ask them to tell their co-worker about Jesus. Come on. Don't ask them to tell their own blood about Jesus. Because then that's a deepening when it comes to your witness. That's a challenge. See, as a church, you know, we're, we're, we're at, I believe we're at a place where it's, it's what, what's known within our ministry as a, as a 200 barrier. We're at a barrier right now, and, and these barriers are, are, can be overcome. These are barriers that, that, you know, we have seen overcome. We've been part of them before in the past, and these areas, they require people to think different. They require us as, as, as part of the church to think different. We have to think as a bigger church. We have to witness as a bigger church. Why do you think pastor's pushing us to do crazy stuff? 
It's not by mistake. It's not, by, it's not just because he had too much coffee that day, right? Come on. These are things that when you begin to want to break those barriers, you have to think deeper. You have to want to do bigger things. See, Simon let Jesus pull him out of his selfish, self-serving life. And here today, I want you to understand something, that God needs you. I know that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But God needs you today. God needs you. What more does he have to say to you to get you to pick up his cross? What more does he have to show you? What, what part of his struggle more does he have to, to expose you to? See, we want to build a church that's a base, right? To offer the hope to the Bay Area, to offer hope to the world. Right? We want to build works throughout communities, throughout this whole area. There will be safe havens for lost and hurting people. This is, our, this is our vision. This is our goal. But we need you. We need each and every one of you. This, this is not something that, that's going to happen by itself. It's going to take a deepening in your commitment. See, listen, greatness, as we've been taught, is service. Simon, in his self-centered life, Jesus seen Man, I could use this guy. He's fighting. He's just fighting for the wrong cause. He's a guy that I can use. And what happened on Jesus' way out, he was so intentional where he meets this man. He could have preached to him. He could have healed him. He could have did something to his family. Jesus said, no, I know how to get this guy. Just like Jesus reached us. I know, I know what's going to get this guy. I'm going to let him share my struggle. Tonight, God wants you to Share. He wants to give you a taste of his struggle. That's why he keeps putting you in the situations you're in. That's why he keeps sending those people through these front doors into your Bible studies. He's trying to help you feel. He wants you to carry that cross. He wants to give you a taste of it because he needs your help. He needs your help. He needs your help just like he needs Simon's help. But it's up to you whether you're going to respond like Simon responded. We don't know when Simon died. We don't know how he left this earth, but we see his legacy throughout the pages of this Bible. Through that one little encounter, we see how his course just changed. His family changed. Cities changed. What are they going to say when we leave this earth? What are they going to say when we're gone? Did our course change? Were we able to do something for God's honor and God's glory? I want every head bowed and every head closed. Jesus was very intentional. He never did anything by mistake. Jesus had already picked out his disciples. He had already picked out his inner circle. But there was still assignment out there. How was Jesus going to reach the Gentiles? How was Jesus going to spread his gospel throughout the world? He needed a Simon. He needed a Simon. There's all kinds of churches in Hayward. There's all kinds of churches in the Bay Area. But God needs you. God needs you tonight. You know, tonight I believe that God wants to have an encounter with some of you. Because you're at a place in your life where you need to change course. We're going into a new year. 2015, don't let it be the same as 2014. Don't let it be an emotional thing. Let it be an encounter thing. 
where God changes your course, changes you, reroutes you from your self-serving life to a life of service, to a life of picking up that cross and doing a work for God's honor and God's glory. Only you know tonight what it is and where you're at. Only you know what you need changed. Only you know if you really want that encounter. Tonight, I believe at this altar, God, God's already here. God has been here since the beginning. But tonight, God wants to meet some of you face to face because he has a new course for you. He has a new course and a new path for your family, for your Bible study, for your ministry. And tonight, I want you to take advantage of God's presence. I'm going to ask him to play something. And as, as he begins to play and begins to worship, we're going to open up this altar. I want you to come, just take a place at this altar and just talk to Jesus. Here I am.